Hi, welcome to the Get to Yes podcast. This special series focuses on a topic that's affecting every business in our industry right now, COVID profitability. This new series is designed to help hair, beauty and aesthetic business owners survive by building a profit-based COVID recovery plan. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty and aesthetic businesses how to become commercially clever. Throughout this special series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your way out of COVID and beyond. His goal is to help build the financial strength of our industry. He'll be discussing in simple industry language important elements in a profit-based COVID recovery plan. We'll cover ways to manage the big costs in your business and make a profit, where your cash flow and profit is and how to keep some of it in your pocket, what your figures mean and how to influence them, how to benchmark your business figures against industry averages, and how to communicate and negotiate with your landlord. Hope you enjoy it. Hi there, welcome back, and it's really great to have you on our podcast series. Today, we are going to dive into making money in a shopping center lease environment, and I've got with me today Richard, Richard Barron. Welcome, Richard. Great to have you on board again. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Richard's a really experienced guy in this area. Uh, He's the founder and owner of Barron Property Group in Queensland. He's worked in commercial property for well over 20 years across Australia and also in New Zealand. Richard has negotiated hundreds of leases during this time across many, many different business sectors. He has intimate knowledge of the key drivers in lease transactions, which helps both parties to quickly get to a position of understanding and agreement. Richard is known for his broad professional skill set, strategic decision-making and common sense approach to negotiations. Welcome, Richard. Great to have you on board yet again. Thank you, Neil. Got some great feedback from our first podcast on leasing. So thank you. A lot of clients said they found that really valuable. Where we want to go today is we want to step into the more advanced space where we can actually help some of our clients negotiate more favorable lease conditions or more importantly, save money. Because that's really what it's all about, isn't it, mate? Absolutely. It's about trying to improve your bottom line at the beginning. Thank you. And a lot of us feel intimidated at this early stage when we're negotiating a lease and really feel that the landlord just holds all the cards. Well, I think, you know, listening to you and some of our earlier conversations, Richard, that that is the case in some, but in some other areas, there is always a room open for negotiation. Yeah, that's really important, Neil. Essentially, a landlord can't make it work without the tenant, but obviously it works the other way as well. The tenant can't uh, just set up a shop on the side of a street. You need these complexes or or strip malls to locate your tenancy within. So yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. One can't work without the other. And that was the big message that came through our first conversation where it really is, I suggest, it's almost like a a marriage where, you know, both parties have got to work at this to make it work. It's not the landlord calls all the shots and I'm just going to rock up. It's And nor is it, you know, I'm thinking about my business week to week where the landlord's looking at it, you know, three to five years. So there's different points of view. And the goal is to look at it from the other point of view. Let's jump in and start to talk about some of the costs and where we might be able to alleviate ourselves of some of the costs that the landlords, well, they just put in every contract, don't they? So what are some of the things we might be able to work our way around there, mate? Traditionally, uh, landlords structure their deals in different ways to encompass as many of those costs as they can. Some of those are 
a negotiable and others are not, which we've discussed previously, but um, additional costs that you will sometimes come across in your lease documents might be around legal costs. Obviously, each party will have their own lawyers engaged. And that's a really important thing to make sure that your lawyers do review your lease. But in some instances, landlords will might actually try and uh, have you paid for their legal costs as well for preparation of that lease document. And that's traditionally something that I like to look at pretty closely. And if there's a way to reduce that or to, to zero, mm. or if the landlord's going to be pretty firm on that, I would be looking at building in a price cap so that if their landlord has multiple changes well, you're not going to be picking up additional costs that, uh, that are unforeseen by yourself and outside of your, your budget. Yeah, it's really interesting in this space because landlords are, you know, they're the ones who prepare the lease. So I suppose the old story goes with any legal document, ye who prepares it has the advantage. <laughs> but at the same time, I find it really bizarre because I've come across this myself when I've rented commercial properties where the landlord goes, well, I want you to pay my legal fees as well in renewal of a lease as well as paying your own and it seems like a pretty unfair negotiation and some of us have just accepted it because we never realized that you could actually negotiate it you're right neil it is one of those things that you know unless you sort of dive into it you're not going to sort of know there is elements in there that that are traditionally just accepted and other parts that have got some ability to negotiate i'm a big believer in asking the question if you don't ask you don't know and that comes with all aspects of your lease document really and again i suppose we have to reiterate at that point that it's how you ask, isn't it, mate? It's correct. You got to yeah, learn to talk in the language of the landlord. Absolutely. There's no point walking in the door demanding. You'll get nothing. It's basically you have to state your case in a in a form that it's going to be heard by the landlord. That's the most important piece. You just need an audience. And we must never lose sight that if you are a good tenant and pay rent regularly and grow, you are actually valuable to the landlord. One hundred percent. Really important is that it goes back to both parties need each other. And uh, I think some sometimes there's a shortness of vision by both parties that it's all about themselves. Yeah. But, it, but at the end of the day, if you step back and almost like a helicopter view, one can't work without the other. You really need to work together with your landlord to, to achieve what you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and do it in a way that he, she can yeah. also achieve what's going to work for them. It's a really important part, symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I think through this series, if we can help our listeners simply get to understand a little bit more about what the landlord also expects, we can be much more prepared in these conversations and hopefully get a better outcome. Let's move on and start to talk about some of these other things that we read, but we don't really put into our budget. Things like redecoration, we're coming up for a renewal and they're asking us to spend $100,000 or whatever it may be on a facelift. Is this negotiable or what's the value and benefit of doing these things? There's a couple of parts around that. We've nego- I've been negotiating one recently with a client and this is an aspect that we were looking at. Their particular tenancy is, it looks very new. It has been presented very well for a number of years. And she's at the end of a five-year term that we, we're renegotiating a new five-year period there. And there's a redecoration clause in that. Now, that's something that we're discussing with the landlord. It's important that your tenancy presents really well within the centre. The last thing you want is a tenancy that looks tired mm-hmm. in a centre that looks new. You don't want to be that, that tenant, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You want it always presenting well. Admittedly, it's a cost that you've got to build in and budget for and think about in advance. And so when you do your budget at the beginning of your lease, make sure you take into consideration that 
whatever that year may be down the road that you might have to do a bit of refurbishment or redecoration of your suite tenancy to bring it up to sort of the, the today's standards. Truth be told, some tenants fit outs get a really hard wear with a lot of traffic flow through it. So they do start looking pretty tired. Yeah. And that's something that the landlords don't want. And obviously you as a business owner, you don't want that either. You take pride in your and how you present your business. And that's going to be an important part of that. Mm. Um, in saying that, it's also one of those things that you want your landlord to consider these elements. So you, you know, if you've got a long, a 10 year lease, for example, in a center and the landlord's got no consideration around whether or not they are going to be doing some refurbishment works or redecoration works on the center, even if it's just minor with pots and plants and some greenery or whatever that might be, it's just important to ask that question of a landlord just to see what their take is, look around the place, understand what they've done recently, even talk to some of the local shops that are in the center. If you're just looking to go in there new, understand what the landlord's done recently or in the last number of years, how it presents. Is there litter on the floor? Is there dust in the, car park and litter rolling around through the cars or is it clean tidy the plants are green not dead yep. and it just presents well you know it's really yep. important to understand those just little nuances around the place all it takes is a walk through ask a couple of questions of a few of the locals they'll tell you pretty quickly as you said these are the things that for some of the smaller businesses can really take you know a big lump of profit out if they've got to come up with you know these redecoration costs and and more importantly they haven't pre-considered these that they're going to come up and they haven't put them into some sort of financial plan. That's right. Yeah, it is one of those things. It can be a really expensive bite five years down the road that uh, that you might not have considered. It's important as well, even when you're doing your initial design of a fit out, if there is a regular decoration clause or you're going to have some really hard wear on your tenancy mm-hmm. to consider what that might be. And if there is, be smart about structuring your fit out in a way that's going to be able to handle those that high traffic and not look tired within a year you need to be able to have materials that are going to sustain that impact from your customers coming through the door yeah and that's even down right down to planning your flooring materials and things of this nature isn't it correct Uh, you know buying for the long term not buying on price you know sort of all of those things absolutely look i had a client who, who did a beautiful polished wooden floor in a reception area and it looked amazing but within 12 months, some high heels had, had pockmarked it all terribly to an extent which was un, you couldn't polish it out, you couldn't sand it out, you had, they had to go and redo it. It was a really unfortunate, it was a beautiful floor, had to start again. Yeah, I've also come across that as well in um, some hairdressing salons because timber floors have been in vogue for a while. And a particular friend of mine down in Manly, beautiful, big, probably good 100 square metre shop, had beautiful polished floors. But he had to close his business every Easter to repolish them and resand them and get all those pockmarks out. And I mean, it was just like he never had that break. It was just like, oh, here we go. Coming up to Easter, I've got to close the salon. I've got to strip it out. So it's a matter of while these floorings look sexy, they're not sexy when it comes to the budget. No, no. And particularly the maintenance of them. It's really unfortunate. Mm. In saying that, there's some really amazing products now that your fit out companies will be aware of. Lino's one, and I know that sounds traditionally awful, but it's incredible. Some of these new modern materials that look like yeah. timber, yeah, and that might be a bamboo or something similar, which is a hard wearing surface, and they just work really well in your suite or your tenancy, however that may be. 
they don't look tired and worn out within six months of being laid on the floor. Yeah, I mean, the other big thing I noticed is a lot of people put these floating floors in and they echo. So here you are walking through a beautiful beauty salon of which massage and, you know, a serene sort of mixing in, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. <laughs> because right. So there's all of these things that need to be considered and, and redecoration and buying right in the first place, obviously, is a critical issue. The other thing that really, I think, catches a lot of people out is what do you do when you come to the end of your lease there's this thing we talked about called a make good what's what's a make good traditionally a landlord is going to want to make good clause in in the lease and this one is minimally negotiable is probably the best way to put it and if you consider it from a landlord's perspective initially here they might have one or two hundred tenancies in their center if the landlord, each one of those tenants at the end of their term leaves and the landlord then has to pay for the removal of each fit out, the landlord will never make any money. Now, I know from a tenant's perspective, that's not our problem, but at the same breath, if you consider that landlord's aspect, it's just one of those elements that you've just got to build into your budget. I had this conversation with a number of my clients during your negotiations at the beginning of your lease. When you're doing your fit out, have a conversation with your fit out crew about what it'll cost at the end of the term to do a demolition of it. So understand what that cost is at the beginning. Yes, you're, they're building it, but they're also going to be the ones who are best going to know how to remove that at the end and bring it back to, to traditionally a warm or a cold shell, whatever the lessor will specifies there. And that will give you the an idea that at the end of your term, be it five years or 10 years, it's going to cost you X dollars to remove that. And if you've got that budget and you get it on a piece of paper with their letterhead, put them in the bottom drawer until the end of your lease term. And then just pull that piece of paper out. You've already got the budget there. Call them back up again and say, hey, this is the price you quoted me when you fitted out my suite back at the beginning. Does that number stand or how close to this number is it to actually remove this now? And at least you've got in your mind a budget to what it's going to cost to remove that. Okay. You used an interesting term there, a warm and a cold shell. Just expand on that for me, please. Cold shells normally, it's just a concrete floor, top and bottom, and you've got to put everything in including your aircon. Warm shell is traditionally you've got a concrete floor and you've got a ceiling up there. Maybe you have a ceiling grid in or not, but you've got usually water running in there and you've got air conditioning in there. And there's subtle differences in different locations, but that's traditionally it. You've got either an air conditioned warm shell with water running or it's just a box, cold shell. Okay. All right. Now, one of the other things that scares a lot of people as well is, you know, signing off on director's guarantees and bank guarantees. I mean, this is a major, major part of moving into a shopping centre. Is there some tips there that we can help reduce some of the sensitivity or some of the liability that uh, leasees could possibly incur? Yeah, Neil, it's a really important part for consideration for a lot of parties, particularly for mum and dad operators that are, or family business operators. It's a scary element when you're going into a new business and you're trying to work it out, trying to be as careful as you can with all your numbers and your budgets, your term of your lease. But there is a just-in-case element, or if it all goes terribly wrong and it all falls over, how that's going to impact on you personally and the family. I had a client yesterday, I was having a conversation exactly around this on, and her concern was based on, yes, I'll sign a 10-year lease, but if in year five I go broke, what happens to me? What happens to my family? Yeah. And that was a conversation we were having around the bank guarantee, structuring that in a way that, yes, it might be another cost that you have at front and it might be a one-year's rent, for example. Well, by agreeing to a one-year bank guarantee, you might then be able to negotiate and not have a director's guarantee or a personal guarantee. And while it might cost you a little bit more at the front, if something goes terribly wrong and it hits you down the road, well, 
the landlord gets his check and your family are not going to be then picking up additional rent for the remainder of the term. Wow. I think that would have reduced a lot of stress for people. They're the sorts of things that keep people awake of a night time. Let's be frank. Um, 100%. Obviously, in saying that, though, would need someone like yourself to negotiate that for them. I can imagine that's fairly involved. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a complicated conversation to have with a landlord. And traditionally, that's one of those ones that they don't like to be flexible on. And with a number of my clients over the last sort of five to 10 years, that's something I've really pushed pretty hard on. It's a cost at the beginning that might then save you a lot down the road. Yep. And it's yep. just trying to find that right balance and, and that's going to work for both parties again. It's it's yeah. one of those conversation points. And it's also looking at your lease beyond year one. It's like a marriage, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I keep on Absolutely. bringing it back to that because it's all about, you're making a very big commitment and if it goes wrong, you're going to lose your house and uh, all other sorts of implications. So it's got to be considered very seriously. It really does. It really does, Neil. It's one of those things that, as you said, it does keep you up at night. If you can get all of these things better down at the beginning, hopefully that'll give you a much more uh, relaxing sleep out of an evening. But it's a, um, look, everything's negotiable to a point, depending on, you know, some landlords have some elements that they have to tick from their their directors. That's okay. It's just understanding what they are and how far you can push it one direction or another. But understand that you there is a guarantee that's got to be in place We've just got to work out the best way to structure it that's going to suit both parties. Absolutely. And that's it's a win-win for both sides. One of the other things I wanted to raise around a conversation we had the other day was uh, some of these newer shopping centres that are really starting to open up and endeavouring to create more of a lifestyle where they have lots of open area or open spaces. And I mean, on the surface, these seem quite an attractive shopping centre to want to go into. Is there things that the leasee needs to be aware of when they're looking at these types of different styles of centres? Yeah, absolutely, Neil. It's one of those ones where these some of these new centres do present fantastic matter and are very inviting for tenants, but obviously they're also very inviting for customers. And at the end of the day, that's essentially what we want for the tenants. You want more customers coming to that centre. Yep. And landlords have got very good at, in, at encouraging and inviting people to come to their locations. Mm-hmm. And to do this, sometimes it is open areas with greenery and trees and plants and pots and air-conditioned corridors. And it, it presents well. But along with that comes with higher costs for the landlord to create this and run these. And, and then that cost is then on charge to the tenants through outgoings, which we've discussed in our previous discussion. Yep. And on those, some of those more modern centres, those outgoings are a little bit higher because they are an additional cost that traditionally hasn't been paid before because they haven't had these beautifully presented suites and common yeah. areas before. So it so, is a bit of a new thing that's coming through. It's, mm-hmm. it's a credit to the landlords that they're thinking outside of the box to create spaces that are really attractive to people and they are working for them because they are bringing more people in there yeah. and having car parks that are more accessible, public transport that's more accessible but it also comes with a cost and that cost is usually borne by the tenants as an outgoing. And so the only, the only downside is understanding what that additional cost is going to be. And that's where your outgoings, we spoke previously about a range, but you know, they might be on the higher end of that range, maybe up towards mid $100 a square meter up to maybe a couple hundred dollars a square meter. So if someone was looking to go into, you know, one of these newer shopping centres or upgrade from shopping centre to shopping centre, and what are some of the um, incentives that you feel are realistic to negotiate? Because I'm hearing that some landlords are are open to uh, looking to offer clients and offer tenants incentives. What's some of the things that you've come across or some that you've negotiated? Recently, 
I've been looking at a number of different structures for incentives with different tenants. We touched on it previously, but I think each centre, each complex have their own preference. Mm-hmm. It's understanding what the landlord's preference is, and that might be a rental abatement or rent-free period, or it might be a contribution towards your fit-out. Yep. And once you understand what the landlord's preference is, well, then you can work towards that. It, if you understand what your preference is as well, well, sometimes it's completely polar opposite and that's actually going to be a difficult conversation and you're purely then trying to work out what's best between the two of you. Mm. Obviously, a fit-out's capital intensive and if a landlord doesn't have their money in their budget to basically write out a cheque to assist you with a fit-out, well, that's not going to work for them. doesn't matter how much you ask them for it. They don't have the money or the cash to do your fit-out. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to work. Yep. But... The other thing for consideration there for rental abatement or rent-free periods, that means basically the landlord's not getting any income during that period of time, which also is the same time that they are still getting costs for running the centre during that period. So it's about understanding that and trying to be careful and considerate around how you may structure an abatement period or rent-free period. Mm -hmm. And about, you know, you might take a longer term, but having... A, instead of 100% rent-free for three months, six months, you might have a 50% rent reduction for six months, 12 months. Yep. And that way the landlord is working with you to assist you in establishing your business in that first period of time by reducing your rent, by running it as a 50% reduction, you're still used to paying that rent each month, which is an important thing for you as your business as well, as it grows. And it helps both parties then having a period of time to establish your business. Yeah. And I think this is the uh, area where we got to last time. And that is that we need to, as tenants, we need to understand that the busier we are, the more valuable we are to the landlord, because that means we're going to be there for the long term. That means that we're bringing in more customers to the shopping center and financially we're more secure over that three, five, seven, 10 year period that we've got a lease in place with a landlord. So Again, it's about understanding how to negotiate these things from a landlord's perspective, isn't it? Tenants all want foot traffic. It's really important parts. If you're a beauty salon and you're located down near a Coles or a Woolworths, for example, as an anchor tenant, they traditionally bring a lot of people to them. And so people are walking past your door. Vice versa, someone might sit next door to you that is a looking at picking up some of the trading people walking past them to come and visit yourselves it's all the tenants working together you all want traffic to the center that's a really important part the more people that are attracted to the whole center overall the better it is for everyone and that's where the center managers and and asset managers are very careful about us selecting the right tenants that are coming into the center and the locations of where those tenants sit within the center it's really important from an outsider walking straight in you might not pick up some of those things but it's it's very deliberate how landlords and asset managers will design and lay out a commercial or retail center to best utilize foot traffic going through there for the benefit of all essentially. Yeah. And that's something again, that I think tenants don't think of, they think of what's best position for them versus, you know, looking at the overall scheme. So I suppose in, in closing off this, uh, this section of our conversation, Richard, what I'm hearing from you is that, Well, most things with landlords are negotiable if you approach it in the right way. Correct. That's generally, that is spot on, Neil. And that's what I think everyone needs to understand. And that is that 
when a landlord puts forward an offer, it's not black and white. It's open for negotiation, but it's all about preparing your negotiation in a professional manner so that you're talking their language. You have the appropriate financial documents completed. You have the appropriate business forecasts. All of these things obviously form part of the landlord conversation. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's, they all work hand in glove, as they say, but one part doesn't work without the other. It is very symbiotic. And you described it perfectly. It's, it is like a marriage. Both parties need to work together. It's not always going to be perfect, but if you're working together, you, you achieve more. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you're listening to uh, this series and feeling that you've got some opportunity within your lease or you're coming up for a lease renewal, or even if you're considering a new shop in a major shopping centre and you want to reach out to Richard, well, there's a couple of different options. Richard has put together a couple of packages to help us. The first is to do a basic review of your lease and just pick up the major points where he believes you might be able to save some money or at least ask in the right way how to ask for some more money. And he's prepared to do that as a special subsidised price of just $495. The second option is that if you want to ask him to review your lease again, put forward those suggestions, but more importantly, then coach you on how to have that conversation with the landlord and talk the landlord's language, he can also help you do that. And he's open to doing that as a special package at $8.95. Finally, the third option is if you are going into the larger centre or you have multiple sites, Richard is also very well known for actually negotiating on behalf of key clients. And it's again, it's a service that he offers and he would be happy to help you with that. You can reach out to Richard at www.barrambarrampropperty.com.au or just drop me a note at the bottom of this podcast and I can make sure that that gets forwarded to Richard. Richard, thanks again. This has been a real eye-opener, not only for me, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners have really got some key points out of your wisdom and your experience. So thanks. Really appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you kindly. Good on you, mate. Have a great day. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for listening to this episode of the special COVID profitability series of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with other people who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.